Hello, my name's Brian Martin, and welcome to episode six of the Running Technique Tips podcast. Um, I'm now joined by my co-host, Lisa Biffin. How is it going, Lisa? Well, last week I was um, in my hot bucket of warm water, and this week I've got ice tied around my legs. <laughs> right. What is this, hot-cold therapy or something? I don't know anything that's going to work. So how am I? I'm, I'm okay, but I just can't seem to get on top of this little niggle that I mentioned last week. So I've gone from the hot bucket, which was so nice, to be honest, to this freezing cold ice. <laughs> you know, I go on about how much I hate the cold. So this is, this is actually torture. Yeah. So are you finding one therapy more... Uh, effective than the other? I hate to admit it, this ice is actually working wonders. Um, It sort of numbs my shin calf region and so the pain kind of goes away. (laughs) I'm not sure if it's fixing it or just it's so numb I can't feel it anymore. It's just masking the symptoms, right? (laughs) I think it is. So, yeah, it's um, it hasn't been a great week for me actually this week. Um, Oh, really? So negative density. (laughs) So you were last when we last spoke. You were um, heading off to be a snow bunny for the weekend, and uh, you had designs on breaking the Jindabyne Park Run record. Oh, how, did, how did all that go? Terribly, <laughs> one word. Um, yeah, I came off eighty-four k's the week before, like second highest week ever in the history of my life. I was feeling amazing. Life was on the up. I was nursing that little bit of a niggle, but I was pretty happy with it thinking, you know, I'll, I'll get on top of this. And um, and last week just sucked. You know those weeks that just you have these plans and we spoke in I think maybe the first or second episode about like a running plan is just a plan and you know, life gets in the way so you need to adjust it. Well, I just spent this week adjusting. <laughs> um, I don't think I did anything that I had intended to do. So it uh, wasn't a good one. At all. So what happened on the mountain? We, oh, nothing happened on the mountain apart from me getting excessively frustrated and having to carry so much crap. Oh, my gosh. So I can't ski or snowboard um, and I wasn't that keen on throwing myself into it because I was pretty terrified of getting an injury, which is ironic as I sit here with ice tucked around my leg. Uh, so I had these two very average lessons and I wasn't very good and it snowed constantly. It was like negative eight and, you know, people who love to ski, I'm sure just think thought it was amazing because there was so much snow. But for me it was just bloody hard work. So I didn't have a ski lift because I can't ski, so I had to walk everywhere and when it's snowing for two days straight and every time you step into the snow, I was basically bloody waist deep in it. <laughs> I've got all this stuff and then I've got two little kids so I've got all their stuff and then I was exhausted and that was just like walking 300 metres up this snowy hill. <laughs> so it sounds like there wasn't much running but there was a bit of Sherpa action of you oh, carting other people's stuff around the mountain. I was an absolute Sherpa and oh, I was so tired from it. I'm tired just thinking about it actually. So my week I didn't really do a whole heap because the Tuesday and Wednesday that we were in Sydney, 
just had some shocking headaches. I felt awful. Um, I, I did a couple of runs, but I, I actually don't even remember them. They were just sort of ticking a box getting through them. And then the Thursday we were heading to the snow and I thought, right, I'm going to get up early and I'm going to get this session done. Woke up, felt shocking. Leg felt pretty awful. And I just, I pulled the pin, I think, after I ran for about 14 minutes. I'm like, this is dumb. Just let it go. Um, had the epic drive to the snow. It's normally meant to take five hours, but you add two young children in it. So that takes about seven hours. <laughs> And it was just a mission. We missed trains by two minutes and, oh, God, by the time we piled into the little cabin, it was 7.30 at night. I think we'd started the journey at about 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning. So I was a bit over it already and <laughs> our adventure had only just begun. But um, skied and I, I, you can't see me but, you know, inverted commas, skied on the Friday with my lesson. <laughs> um I don't even th- like. I didn't even ski on a mountain. It was like this small mound that I was learning on. <laughs> it was pretty pathetic, actually. So I did that on the Friday, and then the Saturday was going to be the big Jindabyne adventure. And have you ever been to the snow before? Uh, yes, a long time ago. And like, did you stay on the mountain, or was it like just turn up in the car, jump out, and then leave again? I think we stayed on the mountain. So you like. It's really hard, but I've never stayed on a mountain. So when my husband said to me, oh, you can just catch the train down to Jindabyne, I had pictured walking out the front door, you know, waltzing a few steps to the train station, jumping on a train for five minutes and voila, I'm in Jindabyne. Oh, that could not have been further from the truth. So to cut a very frustrating story short, it was going to cost me $200 just to be able to get to the damn park run. <laughs> and I would have had to have gotten up at 4.30 in the morning just for this adventure to start. And it was negative eight degrees. Uh, it was a blizzard. And I just thought, I'm so over this. <laughs> so I aborted that mission before it really even started. And I thought, oh, the irony, park runs are free and it's going to cost me 200 bucks to get there. So Normally I'd be oh, questioning your mental toughness, but I think I'll let you off this time. Oh, it was just such hard work. So Saturday was a write-off and then Sunday we had the massive trek back and I managed to get out the door for two hours and I was so exhausted from the epic adventure of the ski trip that um, I actually deliberately ran about 10 beats per minute under my heart rate to start with and then slowly warmed into it. So um, I got through about 22 Ks and I was so glad to see the end of the week. I ended up only with 57 Ks. My plan was about 85 or you know, around that 83, 85. Um, so nothing really went right last week, to be honest. Didn't you mention that um, when you got back you felt that having a few days off had helped your niggles settle down a bit though? So maybe there's a bit of a silver lining to this cloud. Well, so yes and no. I'm not sure anymore because I hadn't been in ski boots for eight years and I forgot how uncomfortable and they put you on this bizarre kind of like position where your calves are like constantly being stretched and you're always leaning forward. So Oh yeah, I kind of vaguely remember that. Yeah, I'm not really sure that that was the best thing for like this lower shin calf tightness issue that I've got going on. So yeah, there was really no positive actually of last week except for I got through it. I managed to alter from my 
bizarre, busy life. Um, and I'm moving on. I, I don't think I need to talk about it anymore. <laughs> okay, okay, that's good. It's, it's, you sound like a bit of a grumpy Lisa today, actually, about that experience. So, uh, I'm maybe the grumpy. I'm probably the happiest positive person going around. Boy, did that just or had tested me. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Oh, so All right. Can you take over the positive element of the show? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be Mr. Positivity, um, even though things probably didn't go 100% um, according to plan for me either um, last what, week. What week were we in? Last week was my week three of 14. What, what were you in? Oh, I can't remember what week of the program. Um, um, I think it might have been about week four or five. Yep. Yeah, okay, so <laughs> we're uh, not going well early on. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so you went to the snow, um, but the, the snow ended up coming to me. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, the uh, the strange and bizarre um, weather that we've been having in um, in central Victoria did continue. So anyway, I'll, I'll get to that a little bit later. Um, I'm going to slightly change my report just a fraction because I'm aware that we do have um, uh, a few listeners in North America and also in the UK, and they're used to um, talking running in miles. Uh, of so I'm going to attempt to convert my um, my mileage and paces, um, sorry, my kilometerage, as I usually report it, into mileage, um, and talk um, talk kilometer pace as well as mile pace. So forgive me if I get this slightly wrong. Um, people who are used to working in miles, but I'm going to do my best endeavours to um, uh, cover both sides because I, I know when I listen to um, um, marathon talk in particular, they're always talking miles and, you know, they talk about six-minute miling or seven-minute miling or eight-minute miling and I'm just, I just, I actually can't get my head around what that means in, in kilometres. So, um, yeah, I think it's probably just worth me just converting what I'm doing so it's just easier for um for listeners that are used to working in in different money, so to speak. So I quickly just opened up a converter because I too am not very familiar with miles. Um, so my fifty-seven kilometer week was thirty-five miles for the week. <laughs> Wasn't it very good? Very good. <laughs> I've just realised as you said that the one thing I didn't convert was my actual total kilometres for the week. Oh, but I, I think I'll... I'll madly convert. <laughs> Okay. All right. Now, well, you you can look up sixty seven kilometers um, in miles, um, and I'll get into my report. So, um, so yeah, last week um, rest on a Monday. Uh, uh, Tuesday was a a nine k recovery jog, which um, equates to a touch over five miles, um, and I did that at five forty kilometer pace, which is apparently a fraction over nine minute miling. Um, and luckily I don't have to convert my heart rate. It is still my heart rate. And that was at 126 average. Um, and after that run, I did, um, six of those Lydiard Hill, um, efforts. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that was still pretty good. Um, although, uh, I could still feel my two and a half hour long run a little bit in my legs. So I was kind of glad that I took that run fairly easy, um, for recovery purposes, and then on Wednesday, I ran uh, 91 minutes for my midweek um, long run, and that was a touch over 16 kilometres, which is an easy one to convert, 10 miles. 
Um, and again, I took that one fairly um, comfortably. It was 541 kilometre pace, again, touch over nine minute miling, um, average heart rate 130. So yeah, that one, I had originally planned that run to um, push the pace a little bit more, but once I got out there, I just really could feel that it wasn't happening for me. Um, it was pretty windy, so I just changed my mindset um, to making that a, a stock standard um, aerobic and more recovery type run. Um, and yeah, I was just used that time out there to sort of plan what I was going to do with the day and think about some other things to do with my technique, been trying to work on my arms. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, trying to uh, keep my arms up a little bit more because Lisa would know that, um, yeah, when I run, I tend to look a little bit like lurch. The arms are just kind of hanging around my waist a little bit. So I've just been thinking about that. So I thought, well, I'm not going to be pushing the pace here today. So I'll just think about a couple of technique type things. I still think you need to pop a picture up. So I'm not the only one that knows what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, if if you go onto the um, Running Technique Tips blog, there's oh, quite plenty. a few pictures of quite a few pictures of me running and I, I think I wrote an art, I wrote an article actually about um, um, arm swing uh, uh, in running and I've got a couple of a couple of pictures of me um, uh, with my with my my lurch arms going on there <laughs> anyway um, just quickly I saw so, yeah. a mile kilometer to mile conversion it's um it's a bit depressing the odd miles it's 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 slower per kilometer and um that's right. You feel like you've run a lot less. Makes you. That's right. It's a completely different mindset. That's I think I'm happy working in kilometres. It just sounds like you're doing more, right? Um, okay. So moving on to oh Wednesday. Yeah, managed to get my strides in as per usual. Um, Thursday, forty five minutes. Again, this was sort of more of a general recovery type run. Eight and a half kilometres. Um, around five miles at 527 kilometer pace, uh, which was about 850 miling, uh, 128 average heart rate. So pace was starting to come up a little bit there at similar heart rate. And I think that's just a function of being a little bit better recovered, um, which is good to kind of keep an eye on those kind of things. And Friday, Friday was um, Fartlek Friday again. My um, You returned. Yeah, I can't remember that was the second or the third Fartlek Friday, but um, the total session was about 60 minutes, um, a little under 12 kilometres I covered in that time, which is about seven miles, give or take. Um, average for the whole hour was 5.15 kilometre pace, which is 8.20 miling-ish, um, an average heart rate 138. Now, in terms of the Fartlek that I did, I had planned to do five by three minute efforts with um i think i'd actually planned to do two minute recovery jogs between them but this was one of those sessions where i actually kind of changed what i'd planned to do um while i was actually mid-session which i'm not sure that was that was actually completely wise but um after i'd run my first uh, three minute effort uh, which i averaged about 405 kilometer pace, uh, 634 miling. Um, my heart rate wasn't quite getting up into the 160s where I wanted it for that kind of 5k um, race pace type effort. Heart rate average was only 152 for that first um, first segment of the fartlek. So at that point, I decided just to do one minute recovery so I could get my heart rate up a little bit more. Um, so the second one 
second three minute effort was 350 kilometer pace average 610 miling um, average heart rate 155 so it was starting to get up into the zone during at least part of that three minute effort um, did another one minute recovery jog third one was 345 kilometer pace which is starting to starting to get oh. a bit speedy for me um, which is only just a touch over six-minute miling and heart rate average was 159. Now, after the third one, I was really starting to feel the pinch, so I did take a two-minute recovery jog um, before I did the fourth, um, and I managed to do the fourth one in 352 average, uh, 612-ish miling, 157 heart rate average. Um, and I had planned to do five, but I basically left it at four, and that was just because I was just starting to feel... Um, a little bit of tightness um, down the down the lateral side of my thigh in that kind of ITB area. So I was sort of mentioning last week they had a bit of a niggle in that space. So I just thought there's not much to be gained from doing the last one and I'd already done um, 12 minutes of pretty hard solid running. So I just left it at, left it at four. Um, thought I'd leave some in the tank for next time rather than, yeah, risking the last one um, when I was – yeah, pretty tired actually um, from doing those doing those relatively hard. So I thought best just to cut that one off. So trying to be sensible for a change there, Lisa. You'd be proud of me. Yeah, that is good. Look at you getting older yeah. and wiser. <laughs> older and wiser, definitely getting older. That's I'm not sure about the wiser part, but I'm, I am trying. <laughs> um, which brings me to Saturday, and I actually did go to Park Run, um, but not to run fast. At least one. Um, I'm sorry, I missed that. At least one of us got there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I did manage to get there. Um, so I just did a couple of Ks jogging before the start and then, yeah, jogged around in 25.49. And the way I kind of approach park run when I'm not actually trying to run a fast time is literally just to stick on or about my um, Maffetone heart rate limit. So I'd ran that whole thing in 137 heart rate uh or less um which was good so i think i actually ended up covering um i, th- I think I, I basically ran slightly quicker or about the same as i did for that math test that i did on the track a few weeks ago and i reckon my heart rate was a touch lower um as well so how good is park uh, run it is good yeah it, it's good you can i imagine ballarat was pretty bloody cold that day but just to have somewhere to go, there's other people there. You can either make it a race, a training session, and, you know, I like running with people. Um, I, just, I just love it. It is, yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. And the, um, the Ballarat um, Park Run course is actually undergoing some renovations at the moment. So um, I noticed that the council has uh, basically laid a concrete footpath down one of the sections of the run. So they're actually running an interim course at the moment. They're doing a couple of out and back segments instead of the um, the normal course. But when it comes back, um, it'll probably be a slightly quicker course. But there's going to have this segment on some really hard concrete. So I'm not sure how that's going to go for the for people's injury rates. Um, but it might result in some faster times before people break. Yeah. Um, oh, I've I've just gone completely blank. I was going to ask you a question, and I've com- completely gone blank. <laughs> All right, all right. Well, you you think about that, and I'll keep talking. Um, I actually went for a jog. It wasn't a genuine out being quite a jog, but I went for a run with um one of the guys who does park run pretty regularly. He's actually an ultra running. I think I think he's training for a hundred k event at the moment. 
And he was like, oh, come around the lake with me. I'm heading off on like a run that was longer than 40 kilometres, I'm pretty sure. Oh, my God. And I thought, I'd oh, go. this is good. I'd, yeah, this will be all right. I'll just, he won't be going fast. Um, and, yeah, I think we ended up running uh, less, it was probably about 517 kilometre pace average, which is 830 miling, um, which, you know, wasn't, wasn't making me work particularly hard, which was a good sign, but it was certainly a lot faster than probably what I was expecting to run. So, yeah, it was interesting. This guy was heading off on a 40K plus run and he was running at basically less than 520, low eight-minute miling pace for a 40K effort, which, yeah, pretty speedy. Those ultra runners, they're uh, they're definitely tougher than me, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, to run over what is it, 40 or 50 Ks on a casual run on Saturday, I think he's tougher than me too. But I remember what I was going to say now, it had to do with parkrun. I remember listening to another podcast and um, they were saying how there's an A to Z um, like parkrun sort of challenge and there's a group of people that go around and try to run a parkrun and tick off every letter of the alphabet. Oh, I like it. <laughs> I quite liked it too. Um, so, not a challenge, right? Maybe after this marathon, we can we can play the A to Z park run game and hear yeah, about it. We can be- I don't know where X would be. Yeah, I think we'd struggle with that yeah. in Australia, probably. Oh, well, there's another challenge. Let's jump on a plane and away we go. We might have to jump on a plane. We can be park run tourists. Exactly. It would be good. Um, anyone out there who was running X park run, let us know. Yeah, that's right. We wish that. might have to go to China for that one. Um, Sunday. So anyway, so I got to Sunday, which was planned long run day, and yeah, the snow came to me. So I was walking the dog before I intended to go out running, and it was basically a blizzard um, up at Dalesford, and I was looking at the radar and the weather forecast, and it was just going to be either rain or snow or sleet, pretty much for. A large chunk of um, Sunday and the wind was sort of blowing 30, 40 k's an hour as well. So I just decided not to do my long run. Um, I just waited for a break in the weather and just ran for 50 minutes. Um, so was, many, yeah, I think so I, many questions. First of all, <laughs> yes, like mentally, how did that go with you? So, you know, the marathon and the, one of the keys are the long runs. So to turn around and say, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, how did that mess with your mind? Because I think that would mess with my mind. I was pretty happy giving away my um, Thursday and, and Saturday, but yeah, I, I would find that pretty tough. I reckon a lot of others would find that tough. Yeah, look, I, I actually did find it tougher than I thought and that actually annoyed me a bit because I thought <laughs> it should be easy just to let this go. But, yeah, when you get into that obsessive mindset of, yes, I'm going to nail these long runs in the lead-up to this marathon, it's easy to start thinking, oh, yeah. I, you know, I tried for a while to talk myself into going out and doing it, um, but thankfully I probably saw uh, reason in the end and just thought there's there's far more to be lost by going out and getting soaking wet probably three or four times during the course of a couple of hours um, good chance of getting sick, um, would have hated every minute of it because it would have been cold, freezing and windy. Um, yeah, I was just sort of thinking about, yeah, I'm, I'm just not going to be enjoying this and there's probably just too much risk attached to it. So I just waited for that break in the weather, did my 50 minutes and I was like, yep, yeah, that's it, done. And the other question is, would you or did you consider 
like an alternative aerobic exercise to just try and get that long run up or no. <laughs> <laughs> no way no i was just like uh just if, if there wasn't there was a break in the weather and i could see it on the radar and yeah the sun came out just for a little bit and i thought yeah i'm just going to do a short run and and just be done with it and um yeah look i mean the question around how much it messes with our head kind of leads us to our our topic of the week this week which is actually to talk a little bit about long runs um in general um and obviously we're a bit obsessed with the marathon at the moment so that's that's a focus but this could equally apply for training for um any other distances as well because the long run is just such a a mainstay of most training programs so maybe it's a good time um take a short break and then we'll be back with long run talk So I guess if we're talking long runs, we should probably define what is long. Um, at least my understanding of what long is is probably in the in the medium long run category, at least anything longer than an hour and probably up to kind of 90 minutes. Um, and then, yeah, runs longer than 90 minutes, probably up to three hours is um, is what we're talking about when we're talking long runs is that your understanding Lisa yeah and I guess it depends also what you're training for so now that we've moved into this whole marathon phase my definition of long has changed dramatically compared to when I was doing sort of the shorter track races um you know an hour was long for me then whereas now I sort of consider 90 minutes plus um is in that long run range yep and yeah, I guess in the program that I'm doing, and it's I think it's similar for yours. We've both sort of got this medium long run of 90 minutes placed in the middle of the week, and then we're sort of trying to run um, around the two hours or longer, um, longer than two hours now, at least for me in this kind of later stage of my marathon marathon build up. Yeah. Um, but I guess the thing I was grappling with on the weekend, and the thing that annoyed me a little bit, was I remembered what happened last year when I was building up to the marathon and I actually did take the decision fairly early not to try and do a really like a really long run like a two hour or longer run every week I just my body was just not coping with that so I basically scheduled them for um, every fortnight Mm. Um, so yeah I was kind of like well why was I getting upset about missing the run when it was snowing on Sunday because it's probably actually going to do me good to have a week off that kind of really long two to two and a half hour run, give myself a chance to recover um, and be a little bit fresher for the next one. Yeah, and I think I really like listening to other podcasts and other people's training. So in Australia, it's I barely know anybody that doesn't do their long run on a Sunday, um, but is that always the day to do it and, and to put it into your training? Yeah, I, we're definitely obsessed with Sunday long runs in Australia. But um, look, I know I've definitely done my long runs on Saturdays quite a bit. Um, and I think you and I have spoken about that, like doing a long run on a Saturday kind of makes a lot of sense, particularly if you're working full time, because um, if you knock it over on Saturday, you've got 
um, a little bit more time to recover before you go back to work and it probably frees up some time on Sunday to do some family-type activities, um, which may lead to you not getting divorced, which would be a good thing. <laughs> Actually, it's interesting that you mentioned that because last week I mentioned my friend Kylie who has phenomenal marathon times um, but doesn't have, you know, as quick sort of half, 10 and, and below times. Um, and she's a regular for a Sunday, sorry, a Saturday long run. Um, and then the Sunday is just a very, very easy recovery run of no more than 10K. So um, I always thought that was interesting because I have grown up with the Wednesday, um, oh, I suppose mid long easyish run, and then the Sunday long run, which I think is probably more common for majority of Australians. Do you know much about, um, I guess, what other what other places around the world do? Yeah, well, I've been reading and like you listening um, quite a bit to some other podcasts to get a little bit more information um, about that, and it doesn't seem to be quite so rigid. Um, as what what it is in Australia in other countries and the, I'll put a link up to this podcast but I've been listening to Magnus and Marcus on coaching so um, I'm more familiar with Steve Magnus who um, is a former elite runner exercise physiologist science kind of guy he was Alberto Salazar's assistant coach for a while before um, things started getting a bit controversial and awkward there but we won't talk about that now but um his podcast is quite interesting and it, it, he did a good episode on the long run where they were kind of talking about um yeah i guess why that they actually thought it was quite strange that coaches in other countries and they didn't say it explicitly but i think they're probably talking about australian coaches that they know scheduling the long run to be a long run every week on the same day whereas they were kind of making the point that you know does it need to be a long run of a particular form? Does it need to be every week? Might you know? Maybe it could be every fortnight, or even just saying something like, "Let's do the next long run when you're actually recovered," which doesn't actually even specify it into the program um, per se. But just say when you're ready to run two and a half hours next, that's when you'll do it. Like that might be a week, might be two weeks, it might be. Two and a half weeks. Yeah, I actually really like that point because for myself coming back um, after a bit of a break, I didn't train on a Saturday and I really liked that because I wanted to slowly build my Sunday long run. So I'd actually have a two-day break Friday and Saturday and I would get into that long run, which for me was still a bit of a session, um, you know, building up to running the two hours. I hadn't really previous, hadn't really run much um, at all with the time off. And I don't, I actually think I would have ended up injured, like smashing out the Saturday session and then straight into a long run. Um, yeah. So you were going into your long run fresh. fresh but I was, it, for me, it was still a bit of a session. Like I know that you meant to run it slowly, but I was so unfit and I think this is a really good point that often people who are looking to do their first marathon or are taking up running, like we haven't got a good aerobic base and that's what I was missing. So it, it was taking a lot of stress and a lot of energy for me to get that long run out. Um, so I needed to go into it fresh rather than just forcing out all these other runs sort of before it. Yeah. I, I actually go a step further. I, I think the long run – is a session like it doesn't matter whether you do it slow or do it fast it if you're out there running for two hours or more 
Um, maybe this is less the case for the medium long run of when you're doing sort of like an hour, an hour and a half, something like that. But if you're out there for two hours, two and a half hours, like that is going to knock you around um, for other parts of the week. So if you don't think about recovering from that and try and schedule too many um, sessions during the week um, following your long run or leading up to it, um, you're really putting yourself at risk of um, yeah, burning out or, or getting injured, at least in my opinion. Yeah, and I even think, though, if you're looking to schedule that second midweek long run, I know that I was finding from stepping into not doing that and then doing like, you know, 60 minutes and then the 75 minutes, if I look back through my diary, the next day on the Thursday, I felt awful. I was exhausted. I was heavy. Um, I'm not feeling that so much now. But again, it's I don't, I'm not sure people respect that run enough. The the longer runs, um, and it can be taken too much as oh, it's just an easy run. But when you've gone from doing nothing to then you know 60, 90, two hours, it's quite stressful on your body. Yeah. I reckon it absolutely is. And look, for me, I, I think the long run is still kind of like my personal kryptonite as part of part of the um, marathon training program. Um, yeah, it, it does take me a while, I think, to to get over those those really long runs, even if I'm running them at at a um, at a pretty sensible pace um, and not a high intensity. So, how long do you reckon um, it takes for you to recover? Um, let's just start. We say the 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 longest run of the week that you do. Yeah, if it was, I was recovering pretty well from the two hour or anything up to two hours. Um, I, w- I reckon I was fully recovered by the time I was doing my midweek long run on the Wednesday. So that was kind of a day off following the long run plus just an easy jog around, not doing much on a Tuesday. Um, I was getting up all right for that. But I think now that I'm, I've gone beyond two hours, um, you know, it, I, I reckon it, I reckon it's actually taking me, in all honesty, probably two weeks to get over like a two and a half hour run, um, completely at least. Wow, that's, that's um, huge! I actually wasn't I, expecting you to say that. No, well, look, it, it, and it's sort of different. Well, would I be recovered to do some other running during the week? Yeah, absolutely, and that might take um, three or four days. But um, I just find, yeah, if I'm going back to um yeah back if if i'm going going straight back into another um super long run like a two and a half hour run only a week after i've I've done one i I really struggle with that um so i think i do need a little bit longer to recover from the long run and i need that little bit more space um between my long runs um uh, perhaps more than other athletes do other runners do see i have found that um, so I'm doing my long runs on a Sunday, but I haven't crept over that two-hour mark yet. I've slowly been building and building, um, and now I'm doing two hours, occasionally sort of 2.03. But I was just looking back on some of my diary notes. It's taken me a few weeks or months even to get comfortable up to that two hours. I was noticing a few comments, me saying, you know, it's 75 minutes, I'm really tired. Um, and then it, it yeah. built up and there's another one, an hour 45, I got really tired and struggled through. So, you know, that respect that needs to be given um, yeah. to even sort of get to a point. So no doubt when I start to creep over the two hours, I'll be feeling like. Yeah, you'll be tired. <laughs> you said, I found that I'm 
not feel like for me all of a sudden two hours it goes really quickly and I'm really comfortable with it Uh, I'm not as tired the next couple of days I always have the Monday off and then Tuesday what I've been doing I'm still doing big sessions as far as volume on a Tuesday but my pace has really really um come back so you know, I'm still doing around that 15 kilometres. I've just typed that into my converter. It's 9.3 miles um, mm-hmm. on a Tuesday. But normally I'd be running whatever the session is, sort of sub four-minute kilometres, and now I'm running them over four minutes, sort of four tens, even four twenties, so that I'm still getting some some mileage out, but I'm needing to recover, as you say, from, from those runs. And, and I'm okay. Then I'm back up into the midweek long run which now for me is 90 minutes. I'm not going over that. And, again, that took me a while to get used to it, but now I'm finding that really easy and I'm moving into that Thursday really well. But I think it's taken me a good six to eight weeks for my body to adapt to that. Hmm. Like that's a long time and that's, you know, me monitoring it, being really, like, cautious. So I I really want, you know, sort of beginner runners and people who are moving into that marathon um, to understand and respect that and probably listen to your advice of what you did on Sunday and just sometimes it's okay to not do that long run. Uh, I know. Like what's what's the worst thing that could happen? And, look, I I, I haven't come across anything in um, in all my time, time of being interested in running um, that, um, you know, someone hasn't produced a scientific study that says you have to do a long run every week to elicit you know, a certain amount of training response or benefit from that. Um, Like everyone agrees that long runs are really important and they're ticking pretty much the major physiological boxes in terms of your training. But um, look, I haven't come across anything that said you have to do them, do really long ones weekly. There's probably uh, more evidence in if you're tired and you've got a little niggle that forcing that long run out, out, will actually then cause an injury versus yeah. if you're tired and have a niggle and, and sit it out, it's going to be detrimental to your future goals. And especially, you know, for, you know, average athletes like myself and recreational athletes where we don't have perfect technique, um, we have lots of asymmetries, so little unevennesses between left and right side Um if things aren't going well for you, um, the long run kind of exposes that um, probably more than any other type of running. Um, and, yeah, just kind of like bashing yourself with um, really long, long, long slow runs um, week on week. And and if you, particularly if you're chasing Ks um, in a program as opposed to running for time, um, you could really fall into the trap of, well, okay, I have to run 30 kilometres but that might take you more than three hours, depending on um, depending on what your training pace is. And like, if you're out there for three, three and a half hours trying to run a thirty k long run as part of your marathon program, wow, that's a it's a lot of opportunity to get injured. Yeah, oh, it really is. I really like that whole run to the time instead of the distance. As you say, if you're in the middle of the packer or you're just getting into it, like I'm running to time at the moment. Um, I don't want the mental stresses of thinking that I have to hit a particular distance because, you know, prime example is Sunday, 
after the disaster week that we're not talking about again, <laughs> um, I ran for two hours and got 22 Ks out, whereas the previous Sunday I felt a million dollars, was rested, had a solid training week, and I didn't even actually, I ran an hour 58 and I got through 24 Ks. Um, yeah. And I was just really listening to how I was feeling, not, oh, my program says, you know, 24 Ks or 27 Ks today. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said for that. The other thing you said about your sessions at the moment, you're accumulating pretty high uh, or high mileage um, just doing. So if you're getting 15Ks out of your Tuesday session, that's basically a medium long run. And this was a point that um, uh, Steve Magnus was making in, in his podcast episode that you can kind of structure up some of your sessions um, to be actually um, – or to, to probably tick the box of a long run, whether that be a medium long run or a slightly longer one, um, by playing around with, you know, longer warm-ups and cool-downs or doing some easy running in between some harder running. So there's probably other ways you can kind of uh, address um, some of the physiological or training response boxes that you want to tick other than just going and, and grinding out a run more or less at a particular pace. Um, on a Sunday. And so what about like terrain? So I know with uh, the explosion of Strava, people love to run courses that makes their times look more impressive. Um, but, you know, you live in Ballarat and I've lived there before and it's full of the most amazing hills to run around. Um, what, what's your preference or what's your view on it? Um. My personal preference and my view from a not elite athlete recreational perspective is you probably should be cautious about doing your long run over courses that are too hilly. Um, and the reason for that is it's just going to cost you so much more effort. And I've, I've noticed this, and particularly from my campaign last year, I was doing um, some long runs up at Dalesford, which is even hillier than Ballarat, and I was just finding I was cooking myself on the long runs, even though I wasn't running very fast just because the terrain was actually uh, beyond where I was at fitness-wise. Um, I think if you're at a fitness level, an ability level, where you can get over those hills without pushing your heart rate into, um, you know, tempo run or worse still, you know, 5K-type effort heart rates, then maybe it's okay for you to do your longer runs over, over the hills, at least from time to time. Um but certainly at the moment, I'm still like I get over some hills, but I, I'm pretty cautious about really attacking very hilly runs um, on my my very long run as part of the marathon builder. I think that actually that point that you said there is the key. So I actually enjoy running over hills. I love running the trails and that is my preference any day for a long run. But I have deliberately removed those in this marathon block for two reasons. One, I am pretty banged up after running, uh, you know, an hour and a half or two hours over lots of hills. Um, and two, I'm trying to become a bit more specific for the event that I'm doing. So um, personally, in a marathon block, I avoid um, something hilly. And if I do throw in some hills, that's actually a session. So I won't do a session on the Saturday. Yep. Um, because it's it's just too much, takes too much time to recover. Um, again, if, if you're a pro and you're out there every day, different story, but, you know, you and I aren't um, and majority of the listeners aren't either, so we don't have the luxury of then taking a three-hour nap um, <laughs> like, yeah, like some people during the right. day. 
that's right. That, um, so it needs to be a little bit real as well. Yeah, and look, those those little hill efforts that I'm doing at the moment are a good kind of supplement. So I'm getting some of that strengthening um, and neuromuscular training by going up and down those hills. But you know, I, look, I don't even time them, but they, I think they take me ten seconds or less, and my heart rate doesn't even get above about one thirty eight um, by the time I get to the top of the hills. So doing six of those is a very small stimulation that's probably giving me pretty good bang for buck. Um, whereas if I was getting up and down some hills that were steep like that, um, as part of a long run, my heart rate would be probably into the 160s. And, you know, that's kind of like 5K effort zone. And if you're going to be then out there for, you know, another hour and your heart rate's already up at that level, um, that that long run's really going to knock yeah. you around. There's this amazing, I think I've spoken about it before on the podcast, trail that I wasn't able to do a few weeks ago because I had the um, the, the tidal, the, the waves got in my way. And I love that run along the Jerengong Hills, but it is so steep, but it's not something that I could just wake up and run every day. Um, and when I have run it before, like, I'll do 90 minutes and I'm lucky to get 15Ks out. Whereas, you know, on the flats, um, it, it'll be more like sort of a 75 minutes I could get 15Ks out. So it, it's just taking so much effort um, and it's not appropriate for what I want to do at the moment. But I also know that what surface to run on is a question that comes up a lot. Um, yep. Do you have a preference on that? Uh, I think... You look, you know, on one hand, you think, okay, you're going to be running your marathon on the road. So therefore you should do some running on the road to make your body accustomed to that. Um, I think the probably having said that the lowest risk approach is to try and do most of your run running and your long run in particular on softer non-man-made surfaces. Um, I think it's probably a, a bit of a risk reward thing. Um, yeah, it might, might be good to do some running on the road just for familiarisation, but if you're doing your long run on the road for large segments week on week, there's, again, the, the risk of getting injured before the actual marathon itself is is probably quite great. Um, and, look, I did, I did most of my training off the road last year and other people that I know that have run the marathon have done a lot of training off-road and, you know, you just – your legs are going to be sore and banged up in the marathon probably one way or the other. So I'm not sure how much benefit there is to doing a lot of acclimatizing or getting used to the hard surface in your in your long run. Um, maybe, you know, like what I did this year when I did that 15K road race um, in my marathon shoes um, as a bit of a test to see, um, you know, whether my marathon pace was achievable or not. Maybe doing something like that is probably a good idea as an alternative. Um, gives you a bit of a taste of the road and the conditions that you're going to be running the marathon under without perhaps exposing yourself to the the training stress of doing it all the time. What about uh, you? Look, I tend to agree. I love road running um, and I, I often I choose not to run on the road because I find it so easy. I have this bit of a, a mental game with myself and run like little cross-country loops over the grass and I find it really difficult but it's a bit of a mental barrier. But, you know, even evidence has shown that running on those softer services, surfaces, sorry, um, helps with reducing the chance of injury. And if you're doing a marathon block and you're out there 
for you know, two hours, two and a half hours. Um, I want to do anything I can to avoid any potential niggle and injury. Um, I do have variety of surfaces that I train on during the week anyway. So I feel like I get that variety. Um, so Tuesday nights when I'm out training, it's pitch black. So we have to train on the road anyway. So I sort of get my road fix. I'm on the track every Thursday, which I love. Um, and then the other runs, I'm trying to make sure that I'm on as much grass as possible. Now, the difficulty that I have, and I'm sure a lot of other listeners would have this too, is I often will run from the office or, you know, if I'm running from home, I'm not stepping out my front door, unlike you, who has these amazing trails (laughs) at their fingertips. And so my run from the office on a Tuesday night, um, it's six Ks of, of footpath. So it's actually unavoidable. So when I have the opportunity on the weekends, being the weekend warrior that many of us are, um, I try to get off that hard surfaces as much as possible. Yeah. I think that is wise. That is wise. Um, now, I know we're going to talk quickly about fueling, but should we talk about how uh, fast and how, effort first? This has to be the biggest, like, debatable question of any running topic, doesn't it? It certainly does, and <laughs> I've got some strong opinions on it. Yeah. Oh, well, you start off because I like your opinions on them. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I, I definitely think – um, a lot of people run their long run too fast and um, probably myself included, um, certainly certainly during last year's campaign, I ran a number of very long runs much too fast um, and beyond my fitness and ability level, um, to be perfectly honest. Um, so, well, r- rather than me just saying my opinion that you should do your long runs <laughs> nice and easily, let, let's just talk about what... Um, uh, Jack Daniels, our, our Daniels running formula bible, and also Pete Fitzinger in advanced marathoning. Um, not so much about pace initially, but kind of like heart rate effort zones. So I think Daniels had identified between 80 to 90% of heart rate maximum, which is actually pretty high. And I, I think perhaps what he meant by that was that's marathon heart rate racing zone, which I would kind of agree with because that for me would work out at 141 to 159 beats Um, whereas Fitzinger more explicitly talks about do your long run between 74 and 84 percent of your heart rate max which for me is 130 to 148 which actually works out pretty well to sort of where I end up doing most of them so I've been following Phil Maffetone's advice and trying to do most of my aerobic, all of my aerobic running at 137 beats or below. Um, So my long run effort level in terms of heart rate will sit somewhere between that kind of um, 130 um, up to about 137 usually. So I'm kind of in the low to mid end of what Fitzinger identifies. Um, And when Fitzinger starts talking about pace as an overlay on top of heart rate effort Um, he gives the specific advice as to start your long runs quite slowly and then build um, to a slightly faster finish but it's still a finish that's actually quite a bit slower than what your goal marathon pace would be so the long runs in advanced marathon are not prescribed um, for you to actually do um, any of them at marathon pace which I, i found quite interesting and 
if we consider my goal for last year was to try and run three hours 30, which I didn't actually do, I was 3.36. Um, but his advice for early part of the long run for a 3.30 goal pace would be to run just a touch faster than six-minute kilometre pace or 9.36 miling early in your run and then work down to 5.30 kilometre pace or 8.48 miling in the latter stages. Um, so, you know, pretty cruisy kind of speeds um, for a gold marathon pace, which would actually be about five-minute kilometre pace. Yeah, I tend to agree with everything that you have just said. Um, I grew up pretty much with a school of your long run is recovery and it has to be easy and that um, old saying of you need to be able to have a conversation and not feel puffed and I actually challenge people to do that. Um, maybe if you're running on your own, it might look a bit weird talking to yourself, but if you're with a group of people, which is often where you do find yourself running too hard, you might be trying to keep up. Can you chat to the other person or the other people in the group? And if you honestly can't, pull it back. Yeah. Um, I feel like the you know, the boom of Strava and our garments that are so responsive and we've got all this data at our fingertips and because runners are competitive and we want to do better and we want to improve, um, we find that week on week it's a oh, long run. Last week I, you know, I ran 20Ks in this time, so this week I need to run 21Ks and we start to race our long runs, um, which I think is one of the biggest mistakes that people make, especially training for a marathon. And look at how I'm approaching my long run this time around is exactly how I approached the park run that I did on Saturday. So my goal is to basically run two and a half hours um, at 137 heart rate or less. And if I can do that, that's actually an achievement in itself and a really good marker that I've improved my fitness because, you know, it's not a question of could I run for two and a half hours at a particular pace? Yeah, I could do that, but... Um, I'm not sure that that's actually going to prove anything if I have to, you know, run to 150 heart rate or something to maintain um, a certain pace for my long run. Um, that actually to me is, yeah, again, putting me in that injury risk kind of bracket and I'm potentially actually undoing some of the benefits of the long run by straying into that harder running segment. Um, it becomes less aerobic and more anaerobic the more you kind of stray away from um, that kind of easier pace and easier effort levels in terms of your heart rate. So you might think you're kind of toughing it out by, you know, running the running an, an extra half an hour, which, you know, makes your heart rate really spike up into threshold territory. But, you know, you might be actually um, doing yourself a disservice in terms of the, the kind of benefit that you would get from your long and run. And I think it always has to come back to what is the point of the long run as opposed to, you know, how far should I be doing it? It is a recovery run. It is learning time on legs. It is letting your body recover um, from the week's worth of training and getting used to just pounding out one foot in front of the other. Yeah, and and ticking those physiological boxes that we spoke about um, in either the pilot episode or the first episode. I can't remember now, but, you know, you're trying to develop – your circulatory system, you're trying to make these kind of adaptions in your muscles at the cellular level, you're trying to strengthen your heart, um, you're increasing your red blood cell count, like all of that stuff is associated with running at an easier pace. So that's why I'm sort of suggesting that if you are going harder on your long run, you're potentially undoing some of the benefit that you're supposed to be getting from that kind of specific training. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think also 
Um, I know testing this theory out this year and I'm not wearing the heart rate as diligently as you are, um, but when I do, you know, the start of the year, six-minute Ks was what my heart rate was telling me that I needed to run and then when I didn't wear the heart rate and I was just running to feel, six-minute Ks was basically where I was and so um, learning to listen to your body and then validating that by data, you'll often find that there's a reason why, you know, you either running six minute Ks because I aerobically wasn't fit. Whereas now I put the heart rate on um, and I can comfortably run sort of, you know, five tens, five fifteens in that heart rate zone. Um, and it, it, it feels amazing, but it's taken me, what are we, August now? So what's that? Eight months, nearly nine months to slowly work that down. Um, and I think it goes back to, I feel it feels just as easy now running five fifteens as it did running six minute Ks, but I've not stressed my body throughout the last eight to nine months trying to force out the five fifteens in January when I was only a six minute K runner um, aerobically. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And look, it's it just goes to that um, that point around um, sometimes the purpose of training is to actually feel better um, doing the same thing or you know in a little bit slower so it's not always about trying to get faster the whole time if you can do you know park run or your long run um, at an easier effort level that's a sign that you're improving um, and not necessarily one that you need to speed up all the time as well so if your long long run is at a particular pace and that's the right zone for what your goal is for the marathon or any other event um, you know maybe you don't actually have to speed it up um, the fact that you're actually doing it easier might allow you to perhaps extend it um, rather than trying to trying to run it faster. So yeah, if you're in the kind of two hour zone and you're you're ticking that one off pretty easily, then you can start thinking about adding five or ten minutes onto it and still mm-hmm. see if you can do it um, as easily yeah. as before. We could talk about how fast for. Uh... <laughs> I know. Look, it's an interesting topic, and I do challenge listeners to trial it themselves. Um, you know, take the time to get your heart rate data and see what that correlates to with, you know, how you're feeling, um, run without your watch for for a little bit um, and play around with it. Yep. Um, I, don't know, I don't know if we're going to have time to talk about fueling, Lisa. I think <laughs> we might have to do that one. Um, well, let's see how we go. Do you, I, I feel like that's kind of like a, a good maybe fueling is a good place to stop this conversation, but I was going to propose that we just talk a little bit about um, uh, variations to the long run. And what I was thinking with that was, um, you know, where you like what I've got in my program at the moment, where um, I've got like you know run for two hours and then do some marathon pace stuff at the end. Um, another one which is pretty common is just a progressive increase in pace down to marathon pace. Um, and yeah, like, like I was saying before, I'm starting to look at those ones and kind of question the value of that. Um, maybe it's actually going to potentially undo some of the specific benefits I was looking for for the long run, as well as potentially expose me to, um, you know, getting burnt out or getting injured. Well, I have a personal experience with this one. Um, and my view is don't do it if you're in your first sort of marathon attempt or training attempt and you're not. Or maybe even your second. <laughs> or, like yeah, or maybe even your second. So I tried this last year in my horrendous comeback um, 
and I wasn't fit, I was unwell, and I just had this desire to run this particular half marathon time off zero training. And I had written into my program um, basically these types of variations. So on a Sunday, I was starting, I think, with 10 or 15 minutes at the end of a 90-minute run um, at goal half marathon pace. And my goal half marathon at pace at that time was 92 minutes. And for me, that time should be super, super easy. Like I should be able to just moonwalk that. But I'd come off nearly two years off and zero base. And I went and did a couple of these runs and they left me feeling completely dejected. <laughs> um, I had no confidence. And then I started to question everything. I started to question I'm not even going to be able to run 92 minutes for a half marathon, which is the wrong mindset to be able to get yourself into. So I would have been so much better off ditching that and just saying, run comfortably for 90 minutes, run comfortably for 100 minutes, just get yourself fit <laughs> and get into that mm-hmm. race um, with confidence because I was not confident when I went. I actually ran 95 or 96 minutes for a half marathon. It was a personal worst. I had a few other issues going on. But I got to that start line with zero confidence because I had tried to do all these fancy variations instead of just getting fit. Yeah, look, I think that the word confidence is the the key one. I almost feel like those kind of sessions um, are... Almost we're trying to prove that, yes, we can do our particular goal pace after we've run for two hours and that's why we do it perhaps more so than getting some specific training or physiological effect. Um, And, look, I I did that last year. I did a couple of runs where I worked them down to um, my marathon goal pace or less and to an extent that did make me feel confident but then I looked down at my heart rate data and, you know, for the last few K I'm up in the 160 plus which is, you know, in the sort of the 5K effort um, and perhaps, you know, I cost myself, um, I think, uh, in terms of struggling to recover from those runs and probably burning myself out a bit where I probably should have been saving that kind of special effort for, for race day. Yeah, and I think um, I definitely want to do those variations but I haven't put them at all into this program uh, I think I'm probably like a couple of programs away until I can start doing um, those types of sessions. And having listened to podcasts of elite runners, um, I've heard them say that you know these particular types of sessions, these variations, is an actual session. So they they don't do as much the day before because they're moving into a long run session in one. Yeah, and look, in a lot of programs, if they want you to run at marathon pace, they'll actually just do it as a separate run that's not a long run. So, look, I really think be very careful with it. Um, A lot of programs do have that in there, but just be honest. Are you fit enough to actually do it? And what's it going to be? I'm questioning whether I am. So by the time we talk next week, you might find that they have been eliminated from my program. (laughs) Watch this. Um. Can I talk quickly about Mm. alternatives? So, again, I'm going to credit um, Magnus and Marcus and have a listen to their podcast because one of the alternatives they put forward was, okay, so you're trying to get certain physiological responses from doing the long run, but can you get those responses by doing different kinds of training? And one of the sessions that they – or one of the structural changes to training that they suggested was like doing 
two medium long runs back to back. So maybe doing a 90 minute run and then doing another 90 minute run the next day as an alternative to just doing like a two and a half to three hour long run in one hit. And I must admit, I'm quite attracted to the idea of that. I think it sounds pretty good, at least for some of the time. I've not actually heard of that before. Um, and so when you say back to back, as in just say like on a, one on a Monday and one on a Tuesday, or do you mean a morning and night? Yep. No, uh, yeah, one the next day. So, yeah, you would do 90 minutes on, You could, if it was a weekend, you could do 90 minutes on Saturday and 90 minutes so on Sunday. I really um, like that and I'm going to speak to all the time poor people out there like myself. So um, that would really fit in well. So on Sunday when we, after we drove back from our massive ski adventure, um, we got back home around 3.30. So by the time I got out the door, it was about 4 o'clock. And I've mentioned before my husband's doing the marathon as well um, and he didn't get his long run in because it's dark by 5.30. So I went out and did yep. the two hours selfishly. <laughs> um, and he didn't get a chance to do his. And I guess for other couples who are doing a same event or trying to train um you know some days it's a good five hours out of our day that we don't actually see each other because we're tag teaming um yep. so i like yep. that from a time poor perspective yeah and look their rationale was i think you know one of the things you're trying to do with your long run is to train your body to um or your body gets depleted depleted of glycogen and, and energy as well as just general fatigue um, and that you can't actually replenish your energy stores um, within 24 hours. So that's why they're suggesting doing the back-to-back. So after 90-minute run, it's still it's a medium-long run, so you'll be a little bit depleted of glycogen even if you eat normally through the next um, few hours, um, but you'll also have a bit of fatigue. So by the time you get around to doing it again the next day, um, it would somewhat simulate or be an approximation of just doing a continuous long run on one day um, with the added benefit of the time saving and potentially less injury risk because particularly if you're a a recreational or a slower runner like me um, you're probably going to be able to do your 90 minutes more strongly um, back to back on separate days rather than what you would be able to do when you're sort of getting into the last half an hour of your two and a half hour I like that that's that's a good one that I hadn't heard of before Mm. I'm thinking about adding that into my program, I have to confess. I, I like that a lot. Um, look, you probably can't get away from the fact that at some point you're going to have to do a continuous long run of two and a half hours or maybe a couple of those, but maybe this is a good way to break that up a little bit so you're just not doing those And probably every not week. a bad alternative too um, if you are nursing a little niggle. So you can, you're mm. still getting out there and, you, you know, you're hitting the kilometres or the miles, um, but you're able to break up that continuous pounding. Uh, look, there's lots of positives to that, isn't there? Yeah, mm. I like it a lot. Um, do you want to say anything about fueling? We're a little bit time poor, but do, do, maybe you want to set it up for us having a yeah, longer chat about look, that. I think that's, another again, another podcast. topic in itself. Um, I know myself, I have to eat before I exercise full stop. I wake up in the morning um, starving, which is a lot of the time before I get out for my long run. Um, but even in the afternoon, I, I personally, I, I don't know how people run without food in them. Um, and then during the run, um, 
I'm currently not taking anything on. I was sort of a couple of weeks ago just the little um, cliff blocks that I had mentioned. I think I could remember the name of them before, but they're little cliff blocks. Um, I was just taking one or two of those along the run, but only if I was doing something sort of around two hours. I don't really need anything for anything up to 90 minutes, Um, but I found that I'm fit enough now to not need anything and that also goes with water but that's just a personal thing with me I drink a lot of water during the day um, and I've been someone that's never taken on water during races um, I'm probably going to have to maybe take some on um, in the marathon but having listened to Tim Crosby in a podcast previously you know he was at a bit of a different view on what a lot of people talk about fueling and he was thinking that people take on too much water during the marathon and teaching your body to not need that like going into the event or the training whatever have you already fueled and hydrated then you don't need to take it on um, in the race obviously if it's super hot different story but you know a lot of marathons maybe excluding gold coast and if you're running in dubai (laughs) are not necessarily run in super hot conditions Um, and we're training in winter at the moment and I don't. I just don't need to take anything on. Yeah, and look, you know, we could talk about that at length, <laughs> but we probably won't. But I think for people interested in particularly that hydration, um, getting a hold of um, Tim Noakes's book Waterlogged is a great place to to start reading about um, uh, a counter view to what we've been told um, about. Um, hydration um, and the world coming to an end if if you're not drinking huge amounts of water during the course of your marathon. So that'd be a good one to have a listen to um, uh, or have a read of. Um, And there's also a couple of podcasts where he's talking to others about that. So um, I think he's been on Trail Runner Nation talking about that. So I might try and hook that up in the slope the show i think we can talk about fueling for both the race and then just even training topics gosh there's just so much information on that there really is and i think we have got that scheduled as well um, particularly for race day so um we'll be able to come back to that one um so um in terms of just wrapping up um for a quick training tip just after this So I guess the the tip or at least the thing to think about from me is to um, have a think about your long run, have a think about some of the things that we've talked about today um, and perhaps um, in a, bit like, a, bit like, what, a bit like the X-Files, it's sort of like, you know, trust no one, question everything. Um, uh, perhaps we don't need to be doing um, this kind of long run end on end um, every week and have a, have, a, have a bit of a think about different ways you could structure it and break it up. And from a personal perspective, I, I think you need to give yourself a long time um, before you start your marathon program to kind of build up um, your capacity to, to do those long runs. So don't underestimate how long that will take for you to be able to do those comfortably um, and aerobically as you should about you, Lisa? Yeah, no, I agree. Everything that you said. <laughs> <laughs> this is just so unusual. You're just agreeing oh, with everything I, I know. Say. See what happens when I'm down in the dumps? <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, like I'll expect by the time next week comes around for a little bit more fire in your belly um, to, to have, have some of my words get questioned. 
Excellent. So, as a we're basically at a at a wrap point, but um, uh, what's happening for you? Quickly? Uh, well, I'm turning positive. That's the first one. Um, I've really got to get this niggle under control. So, I've got a massage, my weekly massage booked in, which I missed last week because of this whole ski fiasco. Um, Mm-hmm. So that that is in and just trying to get some training done and I'm actually going to step onto the Ulta G machine. Um, I didn't talk about it <laughs> in oh, alternatives no. or sort of cross-training type of things. Um, so there's a few people in our group and even my husband who has actually been on it for probably a couple of months now. Um, they love it and for listeners who don't know what it is, it's like an anti-gravity treadmill that you can adjust the weight that you can actually feel sort of like the pressure um, of, of the force when you land on the ground. Uh, so you do realise you're running your um, uh, marathon at one one gra- one G and not like less than one G? You're not running your marathon no. on, on Mars um, where the gravity is a bit less. So I'm a little bit worried about so, this. So uh, I'll try and get some footage or something of it. Um, so I'm going to give that a go. I've actually been thinking about it for a couple of weeks. I haven't mentioned it um, because I knew that you wouldn't like it. So I've kept it to myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the reason for that is before this little niggle happened, um, I mainly was really concerned about my hips and my knee and I thought, well, this might be a really nice way sort of every fortnight to substitute um, the pounding and really help me get through this program and still getting out that midweek long run. So um, it's been forced upon me a little bit more than I had wanted it to. So I'm doing that this week. And at the end of the week, uh, there is the uh, New South Wales Half Marathon put on by Athletics New South Wales. And I originally in my program, um, when we first talked about it, it was going to be a race and I've obviously scrapped that and it's now um, each lap, the seven-kilometre loop laps they do, I'm going to try and progressively get a bit quicker starting out at marathon pace. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm hoping my leg will hold up for it. Um, if my leg doesn't, then I'll, I'll just scrap that because it is on the concrete the whole time. Yeah, and you wear yeah. your heart rate monitor so we can so we can pour over I your. Am, I'm um, going to wear levels. a heart rate monitor. So I've actually I'm a little bit jealous about something at the moment. So bought my husband um, a new. Uh, Garmin watch I actually really wanted the same one just in a girly color Um, but he ended up getting it first because he was coming back from some of his training going oh I've slowed down so much and I was doing my tempo and it's 4.45 so I'm so unfit and I'm thinking well that's impossible because I just did my tempo and I was doing them in sort of four minute k's They're a long way ahead of me, so um, I'm not really sure what happened to his watch. He's had it for quite a while. I think it just, I think he just got tired. Yep. So, he was in desperate need, but it's amazing. It's turned up and it's got every bells, whistles, heart rate. So I might actually wear his. It's, it's on your wrist Excellent. straight away. Good. So he's not running. He's protecting his sore toe. Um, so I might actually steal that new garment and give it a go. Great. All right. We'll have lots of data to yeah, talk about you? next week. So you, uh, yeah, I'm going to be trying to get through another long run um, of two and a half hours or so, um, and the goal will be to keep or get through those two and a half hours at my 137 heart rate and hopefully cover more ground than I did last time. 
Um, so I'm going to be doing that. The other thing I'm doing this week is I'm making my debut as a parkrun volunteer. On I really Saturday. like that. Yeah, oh, so I'm going to be I'm going to be in a high vis. I'll be in a little marshal's jacket, standing out there directing people around the Ballarat. Do you know what the course. irony will be? It'll be one of those like days again where it plummets below zero and it'll probably be cold. But good on you. I'm glad that you've um, you're giving back. Yes, I am. I, I said I was going to do that, and I finally got around yeah, to doing good. it. So, um, yeah, it's me. Looking forward to hearing about that. Yeah, indeed. Well, you've been listening to the Running Technique Tips podcast. Uh, We'll see you next week.